The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 76 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Before we get into the episode, I just want to give a special thanks to a few people. Last week, I begged and pleaded for more reviews on on iTunes. And again, the reason we always look for reviews on iTunes, especially because iTunes kind of drives the podcast market, is uh, it helps us to be found. The more reviews we have, and especially the more good reviews, uh, when people search for Latter-day Saint-based content, they find us much more easily. And just for January alone, I want to thank for the five-star reviews, Listener1874, Moro2450, Craig's Reviews, MC72 in the Riv, Kyla Sass, uh, Me Mike D, and Schauser all left five-star reviews for January. Thank you so much. It means the world to us, and it certainly helps out. Uh, this week in uh, the conversation, wow, what an amazing guest I have. Uh, Fernanda Bohm Berkland uh, is just an incredible, incredible entrepreneur. She is inspiring. Her story is just amazing, and you are going to absolutely love it. And this week in my Latter-day life, I'll tell you some thoughts I had while in the temple this week. It was a wonderful week in the temple. It's all coming up. What a great episode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today I am privileged to be in the home of our guest. And we just had a bunch of awesome little kids running around. There's so much energy in this home. My guest is an entrepreneur, is a fashion icon, and happens, just happens by uh, coincidence, to be the wife of one of my best friends in the world. But her story is unbelievable. Fernanda Bohm Berkland, welcome to the Latter-day Lives podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for having me in your home. It's just beautiful. It's so fun to be up here. Oh, th- yeah, it's, it's beautiful up here uh, in Suncrest. We, we love it. It is windy. People complain. But we love it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's way up here. You guys are up in high altitude here in Utah. Yes, about 6,500. Well, we've got a lot Mm -hmm. to talk about, and it's just going to be, I don't know your whole story. I know what Michael has told me of it. And for our guests, or sorry, for our listeners who are familiar with the name Berkland, if you go back to, gosh, I think it's episode four, it's episode three or four, Michael Berkland was our guest, one of my best friends, and that's your husband. So he is. We're going to get to all that and okay. you and Michael meeting, uh, because I want to hear your side. I've heard Michael's side of it, uh, that just he was so attractive you couldn't help yourself. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. That was obviously a joke. But uh, before we get into any of that, first of all, tell us where you're from, because this is a big part of your story. So I'm originally from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Yes, which is where my wife served her mission. That's right. That's right. And yeah. so, yeah, I was born and raised there. How how long did you live in Rio? I lived there till I was eight. Mm-hmm. So 1992, actually, we moved. Yeah. When, when you were eight years old, you moved. So you have good memories of Brazil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You remember the whole thing. Yeah. And when we got here, of course, you know, I spoke zero English. Did so you really? Had to learn everything. Well, first of all... Uh, 
Are your family members of the church? We are. So I was already born into the covenant. So my parents were converted into the church in their youth, and then they met at a stake activity. No kidding. And then we were born. But nobody else is a member, just my immediate family and my aunt's family. Nobody else. That's it. Yeah, every, everyone else is just Roman Catholic. Now, are the rest of your family still in Brazil, or are they here in the U.S.? Just our immediate family and my aunt's family. That's it. Everyone else is in Brazil. So what brought your family from Brazil to the U.S.? So uh, my dad wanted to get another degree. He already had two degrees in Brazil, decided <laughs> to get another degree here. Um, and we actually came to BYU. Oh, wow. Cool. And so we were only going to stay here two years and move back. And we... We've never gone back since. That is such a classic story with Utah. It is. I mean, you, you know, once you live in the U.S., going back to your country sometimes, it's, yeah. it's kind of tough. So. How was that first, when you were eight years old, you're coming from Rio, tropical, could not be more beautiful, hot. How was your first winter in Utah? It it was cold, but you know, as a kid, everything's fun. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's a good attitude. Growing pains, it's... It, it, you don't feel it like like our parents did, and and even as children, you learn the language a lot faster. Oh yeah, than your parents do. So for us, it wasn't as tough, but I think so for our parents, did you really have like no English or just very zero. basic? And it was funny. All the kids kept saying "yeah." I'm like, what does "yeah" means? I knew yes or no. I didn't know what "yeah" meant. So that's zero, funny zero. that that's what you you honed in on was the word "yeah." Yeah, everybody said that all the everybody time. Everybody was saying "yeah." <laughs> so when you get here. I mean, did you go right into school? So we went to right into school, and then we went to a ESL program, second yeah. language. Um, was that taught? Was it a Portuguese specific ESL nope, program? No, nope, it was there for were kids different of all different kids, languages, all the different children. And we actually had some friends from our city in Rio that lived here. Oh, okay. So we went to school together, and and all of that. But it, it was just tough being an immigrant and then having to start life all over. Yeah. Again, yeah. that, that was very difficult. Did you find yourself able to make friends pretty quickly with the local kids? Not the local kids, but there were other Brazilians yeah. that, that we became gangs with. So That's what I wondered about. So oh, you were yeah, drawn yeah. to the other yeah. Brazilian all, kids. All the other exchange students and other immigrants, that's who we hung out with. And there were a lot. Were there a oh, lot? Oh, there were. Especially in 1992, there was a huge immigration push, especially from really? South America and other parts of the country that, came, that settled mm. in Utah. So... What do you miss about Brazil? Oh, goodness. Are there things that you specifically, when you look back, you, you think, know what? Man, It's probably the great. culture. Yeah. That just the people are very warm. And I think I, I miss the culture the yeah. most. It's one of the places I've never been, but my wife just raves about it. So eventually... You just have to be careful where you go. That's what we've heard. Yeah, it <laughs> can be quite dangerous depending yeah. on the time of hour you leave your house. Um, but just gr growing up here, I mean, it was good. We felt safe. Yeah. And it was really quiet outside. Sure. We were used to hearing, you know, traffic all night. You know, we, Rio's a big city. People right. think it's like the middle of Amazon. It's not. So... No, it's a huge city. Um, and, and the other thing is, is being an immigrant... We had to work very, very hard. And yeah. so what we did is we cleaned buildings. And a lot of immigrants, I mean, if you're Brazilian, you come to the country, that's what you do. You clean buildings. And so what we did is every day after school, we would go clean buildings with our parents. Your and family, it's not like your family it, cleaned together. Yeah, but it's not like they owned their business and, you know, they made all this money. That wasn't the case. We just, they just worked for minimum wage. But 
I mean, these buildings were huge. There was uh, the Nature Sunshine back then in Provo, which was yeah, huge. Yeah, sure. I know where these that were is. three stories. And then yeah. we did the one across the street. And then we did, so we did three giant buildings every single night, every day after school. We, we and this did was that. just your normal life. You were just a, a kid working yeah, after school as a family. Yeah, that's just what we did until about midnight every single day. How many years did you do that? Over 10 years. Did you, do you feel like that bonded you as a family? No? Uh, I, that, that's a hard thing to say because yeah. you're not doing, you're not like going on vacation and doing things that you're building as a family. You're just work. You're just you're, working. You're, I mean, you're, you're, you're just working. It's work, 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 work. And um, it's like, I thought those days would never end, honestly, because it was just like year after hard. year. And then, you know, when you start getting into, into junior high, it's like, your your friends are like, oh, let's go play. Uh, no, I I can't play. You know, I can't do that. You know, did so, it make you feel different? Did it make you feel like you had a different life than than the rest of the kids around you? Yeah, I mean, I knew things were different, but it's not. Like, you know, I didn't feel sorry for myself or anything like that. But it was just, it is what it is. It, yeah, I just kind of took it on as well. That's that's your lot. That's, that's what how you it get. is. It is what it is. So. Wow. Um, it's a great attitude. Yeah, we did that for many years. And and looking back, I'm thinking, now when I look at a nine-year-old kid, I'm like, gosh, you're a kid. And back then, you know, the parents not speaking the, the language, we had to translate everything. So credit card bills, to find a, a place to rent, all of that, we had to do. So you, Me, you, me, you, me and my sister, actually. Do you feel like you kind of grew up fast? You could say that. I, I didn't know that back then. And now looking back, yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, we had a lot of responsibilities, even just being kids. Because now we you're raising raise... your own kids. Right. And you're I mean, looking at your own kids with a completely different life than the life you had. Oh yeah, completely. Night night and day. And a lot of times, you know, if we stayed home, we would just raise ourselves. We literally just raise ourselves. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> your parents were working all the time? Working all day. And then, you know, later on, they would ha- both, they both had full... Full time, two jobs each. Oh my god! So we kind of raised ourselves, and I'm like, "How are we not in prison?" I know that sounds humorous, <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, we got straight A's a lot of the times. Like, we were very motivated as children because we knew that it's like you have no one to to fall back on. It's you. You have to do it. Yeah. If you want anything, if I wanted new clothes, well, that wasn't an option. Um, if we wanted anything at all, we had to do it ourselves or we had to get funds for it because it wasn't coming from my parents. For example, you're in junior high, you have silly things like you have fees. You have to pay fees. There's usually no rent. Back then it was like 60 bucks. Something for PE or for We had to come up with the money. You had to make the money for it. Either going to get a babysitting job, whatever it is, we had to come up with the fees. That's amazing And I think, because of that, it, I think it taught me to be very independent at an early age right. and not depending on other people. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't have any other family here at that time. We didn't have anybody else to fall back on. So, How many siblings were there? We just I have a sister. She's only yes. a year and three months apart. And then a brother. Mm. Amazing. Younger. So you're all, you're all just working. How did that bond you guys as a family? I mean, as your siblings. Did you guys grow up close or did you say it's, it's every man for himself? It's every man for himself. There you go. <laughs> Which I, I think is very common. I think that's a oh, very that's common funny. thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty common. But, but you know what? That's okay. I look back and um, it was it was a good learning experience. And um, See, and yeah, I can't it, help it but just really is. admire your parents. I mean, to take that leap of faith 
and then to work. And I'm sure that there were times where you were like, why can't we just be a normal family or whatever? But you look at how much they worked and how much it taught you. That's a huge sacrifice too, right? Yeah. But now as adults, I'm a workaholic. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all I know is work, work, work. And so that is what I do now. <laughs> well, and we're going to get to that because it's just obviously paying off like crazy. So yeah, it's awesome. And especially coming to another country with kids and everything. Now that I have my own children looking back, I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, how do they what do it? What a huge move, right? And not knowing the language. Did and your everything. dad end up getting his other degree? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah eventually. What, what did he end up studying? Um, he actually uh, did business. Incredible. Yeah. That is just neat. That is fantastic. So here you are, you're growing up, you're going through your teenage years, which are difficult enough. Did your family go to a Portuguese branch, a Portuguese we speaking branch? We did go branch? to a Portuguese speaking branch. Yeah. yeah. We did. What was the split between Brazil and Portugal? Was it mostly Brazilian families versus families from P Portugal? Okay. So Portugal is mostly Europe. Right. And but in 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 the Portuguese speaking branch, was it mostly Brazilian? Oh, it was families? all Brazilians. All Brazilian. Oh, families. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's mostly Brazilians. Usually, if you're from Portugal, generally you don't come to Utah. You usually yeah. go to the East Coast. Yeah, just just sure. because it's closer. But sure. But I am part Portuguese. I took my DNA test. Are you really? I'm actually part. So twenty three percent. Uh, Spain and Portugal, and mm. then another like twenty five percent Italy and Greece, and then like eighteen percent France and Germany. Hence the name Bohm, German. Yeah. I was going to say uh, I was going to ask Bohm. about that. So it's funny because people from Italy think I'm from there. People from France think I'm there, and people from Portugal think I'm from there. I'm like, why would they say that? And then after I got my DNA test, it's like, oh, oh that makes it's sense. all coming together. So, and for our listeners right now, it's B O H M E. That's correct. Which is such a beautiful name. It's just cool. But yeah, I, I I didn't know what the background on that was. It's because my dad's part of the family um, is German. So uh, after the war from Germany, they went to Brazil, settled there. That so. makes sense. So you're going through all of this stuff as a teenager. Going to a Portuguese ward, do you feel like, uh, or a Portuguese branch, do you feel like it enabled your parents to, you said they that it took them longer to learn English. Yeah. Did being in a Portuguese branch, do you think that enabled it or do you think it helped them? I think it helped because at least that once a week, when you go to church, you can be a part of a community. You right. know, you're just kind of a, you know, fish out of the water, it feels yeah. like. And at least going to that, to a branch where others speak the same language yeah. gives you a sense of community that you wouldn't normally have. Yeah. I, 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 I can't fully understand it or appreciate it, but I've traveled a lot internationally and I've been to China where I've been in an English speaking branch in China. But then I've also been to like one time, I think it was in Taiwan that I had to go to, uh, it was Chinese speaking. And I just sat there the whole time. I felt the spirit. I kind of picked up a little bit of what they were talking about, but it is nice to hear the gospel in your own language, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So you graduate from high school, mm -hmm. and that was all here in Utah. Was it always in Utah County? Uh, actually, here in Sandy. Oh, here in Sandy. Okay, which is, for our listeners, that's Salt Lake County. Mm -hmm. Were you into fashion and design when you were younger? I was actually, I, I was. I always collected the Vogue magazine, and even in high school, I actually 
made my own prom dress because I refused to buy one from the store. <laughs> oh, that was just beneath me. <laughs> was it beneath you or was it, I, was it, no, was it financial think, or did you, did you want to make your own? It's fine. It was financial. And I looked at the Vogue magazine. I said, that's the dress. I'm, it's a knockoff of a, like a $3,000 gown. So I hot gun glued it together. So how did and you, I was just very how creative. did you learn to do all that? Did my somebody mom has teach always you? sewed. And so yeah. I would watch her sew. So I've been sewing since I was in junior high. That's amazing. So, yeah, I was always into fashion, but I I was actually really into music. I had seven music classes just in high school, back to back. In fact, I started playing the violin when I was um, 13. And actually to do that, I had to go get my own instrument. I had to go pay for my own lessons. Gosh. <laughs> I am going to make. I am going to make my children listen to this interview. You, you know, it's like when I hear kids and they're like, seriously, they're like twenty three. Oh yeah, I got a you know speeding ticket. My parents took me to the court. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I was. I, I had to take my parents to court when I was thirteen, fourteen. <laughs> you had. To I'm do shocked. That. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So, and by the way, I've heard you play violin. You play beautifully. Oh, I did get you. to hear you play one time. That was awesome. Um, but uh, so you're doing all this. So you learned the fashion side of it. You think you learned it from your mom or did you figure out most of it on your own? No, I, did, I figured it out on my own. And back then, remember, we didn't have social media and Instagram. Yeah, you couldn't look up a YouTube video no, on so how to you, do it. You had to go find magazines. Yeah. <laughs> High fashion magazines. That's, that's all we had. Were there, were there sewing and fashion classes in school? There was, there was not. Mm. I actually ended up going to school after High school. Got it. Yeah. So you leave high school. You get done with high school. What was next? Uh, I was going to go major into music, but I really thought about it. I'm thinking, oh, there's no money in music. It's very hard. Unless you're like a virtuoso or you teach. I'm like, it wasn't for me, you know. And everybody that's in high school, they're like, oh, what am I going to do with my life? And, and you know, you're talking with your counselor at school. And I'm telling her all these things. And she's just about to laugh because I said, oh, you know, I could do interior design, anything with the arts. I'm very creative. Yeah. And growing up, sure. like, I was just very creative. And yeah. um, um, I wanted to do photography or interior design, even fashion design or and I'm like, there's got to be even a job out there where you figure out the feng shui of of um, retail fixtures on how to raise sales. And I thought, oh, I could do marketing. And they're like, oh gosh, this girl is just lost. You you just can't do it all. You you right, can't. Right. Right. So um, and it's funny today. I I do all of those things. <laughs> yeah, you do all of that in your own business. <laughs> today I do that. I do all of those things. And so, um, I think that everybody. Uh, when they're young, they know what they're going to do good at. Yeah. They just know what they're You kind of know a little bit of what you're good at, right? Yeah. You just know. You can yeah. tap into that. And so after high school, I ended up going to Slick, Salt Lake Community College, and they had a fashion program. Oh, wow. I didn't know that SLCC had that. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I wanted to go move to New York and do fashion, but I thought, oh, you know, it's far away from home. It wasn't going to work out, you know, financially. It was sure. just too expensive. So I thought you know what, I'm just going to stick around here and do what I can here. Awesome. I'll tell you something that's a little bit funny hearing you say it. It was too risky to go into music. Music doesn't make a lot of money. I think I'll go into fashion. <laughs> fashion is just as risky. Just as risky just and as even more cutthroat. Yes. Very and, cutthroat. And with music, you don't have inventory. 
with fashion, you have inventory. So there's a bigger financial risk, but I, I like the thinking. So you studied fashion mm-hmm. in Salt Lake Community College. Mm-hmm. What was your first job in the fashion industry? Retail. I worked retail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from uh, working retail? So uh, customer service. Yeah. That, w- that was number one for me. And back then I was going to full-time school. I was taking 18 credit hours. I had a full-time job and a part-time job to pay for school. Wow. My car, you know, just my basic expenses. And even today, like, I hear parents like, oh, I have to pay for my kid's school. Uh, tuition is not that much. It's a couple thousand a year. They could get a J-O-B. <laughs> Seriously. They can buy their own car. They can pay for their insurance, their cell phone. Like, you know, and you, and you know what it is? When you have mm. nothing to fall back on, you got to do it. Yeah. You just got to do you it. You just have to. There's no one to fall back. It's just, it's you. Or nobody. And you just figured it all out. <laughs> you figure it out. And I yeah. and I love that, you know, how my journey, that I had to figure things out yeah. and that there was nothing else I could do. And working as a clerk on. in retail, you're not making huge money oh, at no. this time. Oh, no. I mean, that's hourly, you know, pretty basic. Yeah. And then my full-time job, I actually, I did credit repair. Mm. So I worked at a law firm that, oh, okay. that did credit cool. repair. So I know everything about credit repair. Yeah. <laughs> Has that helped you at all? I don't know how that would help you. Yeah, I mean, it's experience, and I did some managing At least there. you know what to avoid. I know what to avoid. You see people get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going down this fashion path. You're working in... Did you know then, hey, this is going to be a career for me? No. I wanted to do display. I wanted to move to New York. Yeah. I never wanted to do you retail. Didn't think, you didn't think I didn't want stay to do retail. Utah. No. All right. So at some point, you transition into Bohm. Tell us about Bohm. Well, how quickly or were there were there other ventures before that? I don't know your whole story. There were no ventures before that, but this is kind of humorous. Back in 19 about 1985 or so, me and my sister were were in diapers, right? It's in, we're in Brazil. My mom had this maid there. Everybody has maids there. Maids have maids, okay? <laughs> like that's just how it is. They're just pretty expensive to get, right? So she was telling all these things to my mom, like, you're going to move to the U.S. And she was like this uh, psychic. Mm. And she's like, you're going to move to the U.S. And my mom's like, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, you're going to move to the U.S. And you're going to work extremely hard, like like slaves, for many, many, many years. And someday, your two daughters are going to be young entrepreneurs. And they're going to wear the pants in the family. And you're even, she even went to say no that even your children will be attached to the father of both of your daughters because you're gonna, your two, your two daughters are gonna be young, successful entrepreneurs. You are kidding me! How crazy is that? <laughs> when did your mom tell yeah. you that? Um, goodness, in my, t- you know what? Not till way later. But we would all just laugh. We just thought it was sure. funny. And so far, she's been right about every part of it. Yeah, that's amazing. So you're working these retail jobs. Did you re- did you dream of starting this with your sister? Was that? Uh, she called me and talked me into it. It yeah. took her about a year. I said, no, we don't have any money. You know, we had zero connections, zero networking. It's not like my parents owned a business and we had connections or money. It was none of the above. So I was pretty discouraged at even starting such a big venture. Sure. So is your sister who pushed it. What year, what year did this all start? Uh, 2007. 2007. So 11 years. So that was just about when the that, whole crash that's happened. That's the economy the, crashed, the yeah. 2008 was when we but were But you in. have to think about it. It's just like, um, you know, you tell you tell your wife, no, you can't remodel the kitchen, you can't finish the basement, and you can't buy the new car. But you know what? Here, here's a hundred bucks. Go go buy yourself something mm. new. 
Yeah, so, that makes sense. Maybe smaller purchases exactly. did better. So how did Bohm actually start? So, like I said, it was my sister talking me. She went called to it. you. We saw that there was a, a hole in the market. Uh, back then, you know, there were no modest, modest clothing and all of yeah. that. So um, we were kind of the first back then. Was, was the no, idea to do your own clothes or was it to sell other brands? So to do a private labels. So that's yeah. where... We have a little bit of other brands. We actually didn't know yeah. what we were going to do. So we just kind of started off with the temp deal at the mall and we did our own build out. And we just Was it kinda... a full store or a cart? No, it was a store. You had a full store. A full store. Did you know it was going to be called Bohm from the beginning? Well, the guy that was doing the graphic design for the logo said, well, you guys should call it Bohm. We're like, no, no one's going to get it. Nobody knows how to say the name. Forget it. So we decided to keep the name. Okay. But this is funny. When we opened doors and there was boom, black and white in the front, nobody would come in. It looked too expensive. The word boom with the umlauts over the yeah, O. Yeah, the umlauts on the O. Foreign. It, it looks very European. high end. It yeah. looked high end. So people are like, don't walk in. It's expensive. That's no, all we heard. No, that's so funny. And you have to remember we're Brazilians. So what the clothing that we offered maybe wasn't what the locals particularly wanted. Mm. Um, but this is funny. So in that little three-month temp, we met long lifetime relations, and somebody came in and said, you guys are going to be the next gap. Mm. And we laughed. Me and my sister, we looked at each other. This guy's nuts. <laughs> okay, thank you, sir. I'm like, how do you know? He's like, I just know it. So a couple of days later, this guy walks in, which is our today investor. No And we kidding. actually cleaned his building when we were 13. What? The building he's in today. You you and your family cleaned his building, and now he's the <laughs> investor behind your business. Yeah. Okay, Fernanda, this is like the ultimate American dream story. This is like the stuff movies are made of. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we just started on a credit card. I took out an American Express, and right before the crash, you can actually increase the limits with no problems. Yeah. And so I just increased the limit on the American Express every 30 days that and you're allowed to. And you imported clothes. You brought in private label clothes. You brought in other brands. Stock the shelves. Uh -huh. Did you start? So at first, nobody wants to come in because Bohm must be this expensive place, right? Did you feel like, did you look at your sister and just say, we made a mistake? This was a mistake. Yeah. Um, and then after about three months, it was only a three-month temp, so we closed it. And then we get offered a space at another mall, and I didn't want to reopen. Really? Why? It was really, really hard on us. Not to, not to mention... I still had my full-time job. We both had full-time jobs. We couldn't quit our jobs. So you just hired people to work during no, the day? we worked during the day. So you just split your time? We split the shifts. Oh, my gosh. So you worked a full-time job and then full-time at Bohm, and then your sister worked a full-time job and full-time at Bohm. Yeah. That sacrifice is incredible. Yeah. I mean, she had kids at the time. I didn't. So it was a little easier for me. But um, – and like you said, I, I thought it was a mistake – I don't want to reopen doors after that. And we were stuck with all this inventory. We have debt and I didn't want to do it. So then what's the next thing to do? I'm like, I'm going to pray to see if I need to do this. That is so awesome. I had nowhere else to go, right? I'm thinking, well, I don't want to do this again, get into debt all over again. I'm already in debt. Why, why are we going to do this? So then, you know, I prayed. And of course, I get this clear answer saying that you need Sorry, I get emotional every time. It's wonderful. You I need love to this. Get up. You need to go back to work. 
And you need to know that there are other people on the other side of the veil that are going to make this successful, that are going to make this work. So you need to go back to work. So I said, okay, I got a very clear answer. I need to keep going for whatever reason. I just needed to get up and keep working. Oh, Fernanda, I love that. That is awesome. I was hoping that faith would play some, some part in it because it's my oh, favorite part of these stories. Let me tell you, along the way, it's been 100% faith. Yeah. That's what this was all based on. And I know fashion in general is very, it's a fickle business and, yeah. and it's a very superficial business. Because I mean, from 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 a customer's point of view, but there's much more that goes into it. You got to realize it's not like, oh, the Lord's going to make you successful for you. It's never for you. You need to employ people. Look at all the people that are manufacturing the clothing. The people that are all the people that get to feed their families in turn. Right. So there's a you're a blessing to all of them. Right. So there's a chain of of events that happen. Okay. So I was fortunate enough to go to your Christmas party this year. Oh yeah. And yes. I met a ton of your employees. You have surrounded yourself with the best people. I was blown away by just how nice everyone was and welcoming and how fantastic. So you've obviously built a great organization, but it started with this one store you reopened. When did you know, okay, we kind of have something here? Um, after we opened that store and we made everything very casual, we changed the logo to make people, and people started walking in the door. We opened a second location and people are like, Ooh, if you grow, you're going to be in trouble. It was the best thing we've ever done. So we knew we wanted to be a chain. We didn't want to be yeah. just like this hole in the wall. Um, we start growing and we built our own stores by hand because we couldn't afford a contractor. That and was because you knew, you knew that you wanted to do fixtures when you were younger. You were telling your high school teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love I know how to do this. Yeah, placing fixtures a certain way. And, um, and your stores are so beautiful, though. Your stores look like they were designed by just these incredible designers. So, well, we actually did it ourselves. We, uh, we have a new concept coming up. I'll tell you all about that in a bit. Okay. Um, that we're going to open up in City Creek, uh, spring of 2019. It'll be a brand new concept. We don't hand build our stores anymore. We have contractors. Sure. But um, at one point we built about five of our stores and my sister was actually, she was nine months pregnant and just lifting wood. <laughs> like we, it was funny. We, we would get to the Home Depot and we're like, we're here to get a scaffolding because, you know, I had my own spray machine. We would spray the ceilings, like unfinished ceilings. Up so when you say building, you're not just saying design. You were literally oh, no. doing the work oh, of no. building we up the stores. We had saws. We had the, the, <laughs> the paint machines. We had every kind of blade saw you can think. And we would go, you know, like on YouTube, how do you put a blade inside of this saw? We actually built the actual... The, the fixtures. Like that is so we amazing. We did the construction ourselves, and so in the middle of the night, and then by then, you know, we had some employees. But um, yeah, lots of stories with that. But anyways, so fast forward to today. How many Bohm stores are there? So right now we have sixteen locations. Sixteen. Um, so we're in Utah, Idaho, uh, South Dakota, Iowa, and Montana. And then our future plans are to open um, Chicago, possibly San Francisco, Seattle. So. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. So, and, and we've grown a ton online as well. That's been something that, you know, we've been doubling every year in sales. And yeah. so and we have, um, around 240 employees in all. 240. That is so amazing. And, and you know what? I thank you for coming to our, our Christmas party. We had a blast. 
That was a fun night. My I face hurt afterwards. That you made a, us laugh so much. <laughs> so I was full disclosure. I was the I was the party entertainment for the Christmas party this year, and we had such a good time. And that's only fun if the people are fun, and they were super fun. I'm. Do you ever take a moment when you're at the store? You're at one of the stores, and you see the cleaning people there. Do you ever take a moment and just think that was me, and now here we've got all this happening? Do you take a moment to look at what that journey is? Because, Fernanda, I'm so amazed by it. I am blown away by your story. Do you take a moment to appreciate it, or are you so busy just trying to grow and work? I do take a moment to appreciate, and you know what? Every day I'm thankful. Yeah. Every single day. Now I'm that thankful. I know about you, I know you're very grateful for the I'm success. Extreme, I'm extremely grateful, and everything, and even today, everything takes takes just a lot of faith in my part. Cause you know, there are days that I want to give up there sure. even today. I mean, there are days. And so it, every day is almost like a leap of faith. And, and you know what, to be quite honest, there was a point of just a few short years ago where we had to do a lot of layoffs. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have over 200 people that are on the payroll and once you're really it's big, it's, gets even harder to manage the business and to manage the inventory. And, and we had a lot of growing pains, but it was just like time after time, the Lord would, would always show me the way of what I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was just amazing oh, how, awesome. how he's been very and, much a part. And now you're not only like successful business owner, but you're also a fashion icon in that you're on TV all the time now talking about fashion trends. Do you enjoy doing television? I do, except for waking up early because I have little ones. We don't get the best sleep. You guys know how it is. The waking up early kills me. But I remember yeah, it, you were telling me, you told me a story about how you missed the call time or you, you had gotten oh the wrong goodness. call time. So I wake up like it's just another day going to the office and I get a call. Your models are ready and they're waiting for you. <laughs> what models? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be at the studio right now, the TV studio. So and this was for live television. Oh, this yeah, wasn't to recorded. Totally this was live. live. So I call the producer. I'm like, can you guys just put us on last? Uh, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> Shuffle some things around. So I throw some clothing on and then just run. And mind you, the clothing wasn't even ready because I completely forgot about the episode. So I run to the warehouse, grab all the oh outfits, throw it on the model, and just and nobody knew. You couldn't tell. No, and it turned out turned it all turned out great. Somewhere along this line, you meet who I consider to be the funniest human being who has ever lived. I always tell people, I, I you know I know a thousand comedians, and when people say who's the funniest man you know, <laughs> I say Michael Berkland, hands down, hands down. <laughs> And you know I love Michael like a brother. He is uh, he and I have had a special bond for since the day that I met him. And for our listeners, please go back. It is people's favorite episode. Michael tells his whole story. His journey is amazing. How did you and Michael meet? So we met at a gas station. <laughs> I love this. I know because people are like, "Yeah, we met online." Yeah, we were uh, drawn to each other. No, yeah. So yeah, just we met at the gas station. Yeah, can I just tell you, by the way, I'm going to have you tell us a little bit more about it. But I remember when Michael told me, he goes, I met someone and I think I'm in love. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, I met her at a gas station. She's from Brazil. And I said, Michael, <laughs> this is the single most Michael thing I've ever heard. And so crazy. 
and I wrote it off. But there was something in his voice a little bit different that time, and it moved on. So how did you meet at the gas station? We were just getting drinks. You were both getting drinks? Yeah, and I actually recognized him from the movie, so I stopped in and I said, I saw your movie last night. Are you the guy? Confess. Which <laughs> confess? Which movie was it? Home Teachers, the Home funniest teachers. one. Yeah, him and Jeff Burke. Jeff yeah. Burke has also been on the show, a good friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, so you saw him, you recognized him, you guys started talking. And then uh, how, how long after that did you get married? Oh, goodness. Uh, six years? Six years six after. Seven, yeah. Yeah, so it was a while. Six or seven, yeah. Yeah. And how long have you guys been married now? So five and a half years. And how many children do you have? We have three. That was very quick. All under four. Well, you know, I. so my first, I was, what, 31 when I gave birth to my first child. Yeah. And I'm thinking, uh, if I'm going to have a family, you know, time yeah. is ticking. And I went from, I don't know if I want to have children to three back to back. It was fast. Every time it's Michael like told me. i pregnant every year. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know. It kind of is. And you're pregnant. And running this whole business. And it's tough because I still have to travel a lot. And so I was traveling at nine months, nine months. And I'm hoping, oh my goodness, I hope nothing happens. Oh, that is so amazing. So, and then, you know, I would just work from home for a little bit. Um, but it, it was a hard transition because, yeah, you know, having to leave your little ones behind. And, and you work. guys have the most beautiful family. I just love your kids. And obviously, you know, I love Michael. Now, Michael has kids from a previous marriage. Uh-huh. And you guys are amazing at keeping, like, putting it all together. How, it, how <laughs> have you figured this out? Because a lot of families have not. So how do you keep, he's got children he from his previous others. marriage, right? I mean, but one is married, one's on a mission. One's on a mission, right, um, sure. Another, one lives with us, yep. and then the other one lives in Idaho still. So, yeah. I mean, we make it work. We, it's we make incredible it work to watch. It's, it's so, from the outside, it's pretty seamless. I'm sure there's yeah, but a lot of, you know of, what, his kids are inside. older, like, it's easy, sure, but, sure. you know, it's, it's our kids that are yeah. the three under four, and as you know, our oldest is special needs, right. has autism, right. nonverbal, so it adds another layer of difficulty, because raising kids is as hard as it is, and so yeah. that just adds another little layer of, of difficulty. Which adds, to me, just more beauty. I mean, I'm, you know, when I see your children, it just... It just makes me so happy. And seeing you guys together and seeing the joy you bring to Michael is amazing. You and Michael, I mean this in a good way. I would not have put the two of you together in a million years. And then every time I see you together, I just go, yeah, that's right. It works. It makes perfect sense. It does make perfect sense. And he is as funny at home as he is out there. Yeah. He just is. Makes me crack up all the time. I have watched him run a room. I mean, I've been with him where the entire room is staring at him to see what he will say next, because it's everything he says. When he is on a roll, there is not a funnier person on the planet and not a better person. I will say Michael is as fine a human being as I've ever known. I mean, I love him like a brother and just, it's wonderful to see you guys together and so happy. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky to have him and He's such a good father to the kids. He is like, so he, he's dedicated. Tw- he's twice the parent I am. I feel like <laughs> That's at not home, true. That's at not home, true. and he just takes care of everything. And and I'm going to put him on the spot. I haven't done laundry in six years. <laughs> I haven't. There you go. See, that's awesome. And I don't know how to turn on the dishwasher. Well, you deal with clothes I literally all day, so. forgot how to turn it on. 
<laughs> See, but you have your roles. And can I just say, you're so good for him, though. You are so, so good for him. You ground him and you balance him and you make him so happy. It's a wonderful marriage. Um, before we wrap up, uh, I want to know about this new concept that's coming. What's the, what's next for Bohm? So um, right now it's starting construction next Monday. Wow. We are um, going to be at the City Creek. Okay, so for our listeners, we have a lot of listeners outside of Utah. City Creek is the shopping center mall of uh, Utah. I mean, it's Apple is in there and like Bose and all these high-end fashion mm-hmm. brands. And mm-hmm. it's sort of an outdoor indoor mall. And it's just amazing. So that is going to be our flagship store. Yeah. Is so it going to be under the name Bohm? It's going to be under the name Bohm. It's going to be 5,000 square feet. We're going to have events in there. It's going to be a creative awesome. space. And this is kind of exciting. I know for me, it's exciting. We're building this really, really swank restrooms. And and on the door, it's going to say, for posh customers only. <laughs> because you know what? It's so annoying. As a mom, you know, yeah. like you, you have kids, you want to use the restroom. And they're like, sorry, we don't have restrooms. You have to go to the nearby. No, just, you know, come use, use our, our restroom. Restrooms. I love it. I love it. Fernanda, your perspective as a mom and as a business owner is just awesome. I absolutely love it. We'll be excited. So that's opening up in springtime. Springtime. Yeah. Late spring. We go walk around in there. And I mean, like every one of our favorite brands is in that shopping center. We stay sometimes just a one night getaway. My wife and I'll stay at the Marriott right mm-hmm. there that's connected to it. And just walking through, it's an amazing center. So it I'm is. sure and it's going to be We'll awesome. actually be upstairs across from the anthropology. Oh, straight yeah. across. And we're going to be just right off that main street. So you'll be able to see our windows. I know exactly right where that yeah. is. And you have tens of thousands of people that walk up and down that street yeah, every so single we're, day. That's going to be its first concept to launch and then the following stores. Um, so we have some expansion that in the next couple so of years. exciting. And I can't wait to see how you balance and juggle it all. And Michael, by the way, should lest our, our listeners think that Michael only does the parenting thing. He's still doing all kinds of film stuff. Like he's always got separate projects going and you guys are nice enough. You and the kids are nice enough to let him sneak out and hang out with me every once in a while at my oh, right. house, yeah, that, uh, which I just, I have to tell this story because it was, it's been my favorite moment. We do this little thing that we're well overdue for with the holidays called uh, Linger Longer Live. It's me, Michael Berkland, Ken Craig, and, and Stephen Jones. And we just basically do a Facebook live. And one night it was Michael's birthday. And I had bought cupcakes for Michael. And (laughs) Michael and I have always joked about our battle of, you know, putting on weight, losing weight, whatever. Anyway, I bought these cupcakes for Michael. And people can send in live messages. And Fernanda, you were like in New York or somewhere. I'm in in New York. I'm in Manhattan. I'm in Times Square. You know, you can get ran over by a taxi. (laughs) I'm just looking at my phone and walking. you're, You're watching us. And I unveil these cupcakes, and there were like 12 cupcakes, and I said, Michael, your goal is to eat all of the cupcakes just during this <laughs> just during this broadcast. So then we move on, and I'm the producer on that show too, so I sit and I'm checking the messages, and all of a sudden, you can just see it. If we go back and watch the video, you can see me lose it. And I start laughing so hard, because there's a message from Fernanda that in big block letter says, Michael, do not eat the cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause he try 
tries so hard. Oh, he goes to the gym so, every morning. I and know. you know what? You know Michael's the nicest guy on the earth. So if you tell him, I, I made these 50 cupcakes for I you. I would not have he let would him eat that many 50. of them. He, he would literally eat I know. It. Oh, gosh. That was so, <laughs> so awesome. Well, we're about at time. This has been so wonderful. You know, you are an amazing inspiration. You are just so inspirational. I hope that our listeners will hear this and be inspired to know that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter. The Lord has a plan for you. And to watch you balance family and your business and your relationships and your life and where you came from and where you are and where you're going and to have the Lord direct it all is just awesome. I'm going to ask you the final question, which is the question we ask all of our guests, which is, Fernanda, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Um, gosh, that's a broad question. It's I could a, go in any direction. There's no right or wrong answer to it. It means the word is truth and mm. light. And and with that comes not only responsibility as a member of the church, but it, it's it, I'm so grateful to know the truth and to know the Lord's plan in our lives. The gratitude for me is just immense. And I every day I'm thinking, how was I so lucky to know the gospel? while on earth. Yeah. And and something that I can bring to my children and teach them the truth. So mm. for that I'm immensely thankful. That is an awesome, awesome answer. You are an amazing mother, wife, businesswoman, former office cleaner, and now fashion icon, and definitely an amazing Latter day oh, Saint. Thank you. You're thank kind. you so much for sharing your Latter day life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And my special thanks to Fernanda. Her story is so inspiring. I just loved hanging out at their house with my dear, sweet friend, Michael Berkland, and with Fernanda and their beautiful kids. Oh, it was just awesome. Uh, this week in my Latter-day life, uh, I was down in San Diego all week. And on Wednesday night, I had the chance to go into the temple uh, in San Diego and do a session. I was down there on business and had one free night open. And it was so wonderful to be in the temple and to spend time there and the peace I was able to feel. And while I was sitting there, I got a big smile on my face as I was reminded of 25 years ago uh, when I lived down in Southern California and the San Diego Temple was my temple. And my friends uh, Mike Cannell and Derek Harris and I did an epic road trip down to San Diego. It was only a couple of hours, but oh, we had so much fun going down and then serving together and spending time in the temple and how wonderful that was, which got me to thinking about uh, some YSA trips that we did down to the temple that Travis and I were talking about last week's guest and how fun that was. I then turned my mind to the Los Angeles temple where my parents were married and the trips that my wife and I made to the LA temple together and how, how much I love the LA temple. My mind kind of started doing a a little bit of a road trip of the temples I've been to and how important the Oakland Temple is to me. The Oakland Temple is where I took out my own endowment and where I was married to my beautiful wife. Almost 25 years ago, we were sealed in the Oakland Temple. And then the Provo Temple, where I was sealed to a couple of our children that we adopted. And then the Mount Timpanogos Temple, where I was sealed to some of the other children uh, that we've adopted. And just over the years, the business trips I've gone on where I've gotten to be in the New York City Temple and uh, the Minneapolis Temple and uh, just all over the country, what a blessing it is. 
so many of the things that I hold so dear, my friends, my wife, my children, and of course my testimony and my love for my Heavenly Father. It's because of these temples, and I was just so grateful to be there. I'm grateful that they're so much closer as I thought back about the people in Chile, down in southern Chile. Now they have one much closer, but it's still quite a trek. But before, boy, people would save up sometimes their whole lives just to go to the Santiago Temple one time. I'm just very grateful that they're all around me and that I have the chance to go sit in them. And what a beautiful place. May we all go to the temple just a little more often and get that much closer to our Father in Heaven. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We always appreciate it. If you want to get a hold of me, I can be reached at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. I'd love to hear from you. Of course, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all over the place. And if you enjoy the show, if you'd share it, that'd be great. We're available on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, uh, Player FM, pretty much anywhere you get a podcast, that's where we can be found. We can also be found, all back episodes are on latterdaylives.com. So until next week, when we'll have another fantastic show for you, please remember, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 